Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today I'm talking with Carl Kuhn of Gay Meat, Museum Mel, Say Anything, and the podcast, It Rocks or It Sucks. Okay, Carl? Yes, I'm using my telephone voice and there's nothing you can do about it since it's my podcast. So, Carl and I go way back and he's a super close friend of mine, no matter what my phone voice that he criticized might imply. Anywho, we're talking about Incubus's 2001 album, Morning View. After a couple listens through, I was able to really give it a shot, but we'll chat about that more on the episode. Real quick, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you do that. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It was a pleasure chatting with Carl in person since we were both faxed. Well, anyway, no more waiting. Let's chat with Carl. <laughs> I'm gonna leave all this in. Yeah, you have to. Uh, hey, Carl, how's it going? It's going so great, Josh. How are you? I am doing fine. <laughs> That's oh my god. How was your day? Uh, it's fine. Just uh, give me one highlight. Uh, Not talking to me. That doesn't yeah, count. Yes, so you coming to town and knocking on my door. Yeah, spoiler alert, time. we're recording this podcast in person. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever, well, that's not true. I think the first time I was ever on a podcast was in person. That was in like 2012, mm. which is crazy. That was like before the second coming of the pod, the pod yeah. renaissance. So you were like a pod, like first generation. I was pod, pod. 1.0, yeah. Mm. But you were, you didn't like podcasts. Though. I hadn't listened to, I probably didn't listen to a pod until 20. 17 oh. it took like six years for me to ever listen to a podcast mm. um so today we <laughs> you don't want to just keep talking about the history of podcasts no that's not what this is about no uh it does seem that people of my age demographic and subset of person would be very interested in that um but today we are talking about incubus's album from 2001 called morning view yes we are and when was the first time you heard this record or incubus give me your incubus story okay so i was intro to incubus through the success of drive obviously that song was like synonymous with culture for a long time i would say it even maybe still is now so i entered with make yourself and then I think I was kind of like on the tail end of Make Yourself. So Morning View came very shortly after that for me. And so I was actively engaging with Morning View as it was coming out. I'm assuming that everything you're saying are albums, other albums by English. Yes, Make Yourself is the big one. They just okay. did like a 20 okay. year tour for that. I guess probably a lot of that got canceled for COVID or it was like right before COVID. Again, I don't experience time linearly, so I don't know when it was, but I know it happened recently because the merch was really good. What is Science? Science is the album that came before Make Yourself, and that's like kind of the end of their rap rock-ness. Okay. That is arguably my actual favorite Incubus record. Mm-hmm. That's what my Incubus tattoo is from. Okay. But um, it's like kind of a sordid listen. Like every time I make someone listen to Science, it's like they're either going to love it or hate it. 
polarizing. Hmm. Um, what is science? <laughs> I don't feel like I had ever sat down and thought to myself, I should listen to Incubus. And why is that? I think you need to analyze that. I, it is interesting. Like, I feel like people have played Incubus around me, but I don't think I could pull out anything and be like, that is Incubus. Like, I can do that with Third Eye Blind, and I'm not, like, the biggest Third Eye Blind fan, but I don't know when it's Incubus. See, I but, but I but I don't know when it's Incubus. I love that sentence. Third Eye Blind, it's like the singles are so huge mm-hmm. that it's like the sound of the singles is embedded in anyone with ears you know with incubus i feel like they're kind of more of chameleons they for a while with every album they were very they were changing a lot sonically so i feel like that makes sense but also like brandon boyd's vocals i feel like are very distinct so if you pay like even more than so if one second is the minimum amount of time you could pay a song attention to if you paid two seconds worth of attention i feel like you could learn to very easily distinguish an incubus song from any of their peers around that time it's like when you're listening to a radio show and someone I like says, I guess we'll say a podcast, and someone says their name. Podcast or radio shows. Now. Yeah, and they're the same thing. Um, but no one, it's like no one ever said that's Brandon Boyd to me. You okay. Know? I know in an yeah. album they wouldn't be like, hi, Josh, this is Brandon Boyd about to sing you an Incubus <laughs> song. Then it'd be like, oh, yes, I understand. I'm actually going to do that on the Game Eat LP. I'm like, hi, Josh, this is Carl. I'm going to sing you a then Game I Eat know. song. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, I've been introduced to you in a way that I know when it's your voice. Yes. You know, okay. so I don't, I thought, when I heard Wish You Were Here. Mm-hmm. Was I, that where you entered? Well, I mean, when I got to that track. Oh. But I was like, oh, I've heard this song. <laughs> And okay. I thought it was, I think in my head, I thought it was Hoobastank. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, they're like, Hoobastank is funny because I think in like the big picture, Hoobastank is obviously after like the the big Incubus like success, but like Hoobastank is very similar sonically. It's like essentially like if you took, it's like if you cloned Incubus, but like you didn't, it didn't have a soul. But I'm not saying that Hoobastank doesn't have a soul because yeah. Hoobastank has well, hits. Well, I think... Have you ever seen that movie Multiplicity with Michael Keaton? No. Basically, the whole premise of it is he clones himself, but every clone is, like, slightly dumber. Totally. That is literally <laughs> exactly this. Yes. But Hoobastank is, like, they have their own redeeming qualities. I went down a huge Hoobastank hole recently because I woke up with a song stuck in my head and I was convinced it was Hoobastank. But I never figured out what it was. But, like, I listened to a lot of their discography and I was like, this is actually better than I gave it credit for as an Incubus stan when I was a teenager. I think that whatever song you write next, it should be, that should be the title. What? The uh, I woke up with a song in my head and I thought it was <laughs> Hoobastank. I know it's a little too annoyingly long, but it no, has a good ring. I it. like that. Yeah, maybe I'll name my record that. I think you should. If I'm really trying to get literally no one to put it out. <laughs> well, I, I, it, to me, I think it's like it's like a game at this point. Like what you'll name things. Like, me I'm specifically. On, I'm on board. Okay, I see. I don't think the cult, the culture around me naming things stupid shit is not. I don't subscribe to that. And I'm at the helm of it. I think I have good taste in naming things things. Uh, I will um, say, having just been on a podcast where someone like very slowly, begrudgingly read the words popcorn fish, guinea pig off a piece of paper, it was a mortifying experience. Um, but that was the first time in history that I like became insecure about that name. So, so was that Tim? That was Tim. Did Tim yeah. not, he didn't blow past uh, popcorn fish, guinea pig? Well, he just got to it and then read it really slowly it's like popcorn fish 
guinea pig. And then he literally like audibly looked at me and audibly goes, I really have to read that to make well, sure I'm getting it right. I don't, this explanation is more visual, but I feel like when I'm saying I do have to, it almost feels like I'm lining up kindergartners and I have to make sure they line up and go to the same place. Or it's like, it might be pop guinea or something like pop guinea fish. You know the four words, you just don't know the order. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. get it, but it's sort of like this kid needs to be standing here and this, because we got to go down mm, the hall okay. or that something. That makes sense. Alphabetical order. Yeah. Then. Um, that's fair so we've already gotten off of uh incubus i feel like we probably won't talk about incubus very much that's that's fine i have like so much i want to say i okay here's the first issue i think i had okay on first listen (laughs) i guess i'll be honest from the top and i usually try not to be critical of people's picks because everyone likes i don't like the thing that's like your taste is bad or something i'm not leading into i'm not saying that so i can lead into it but it's also subjective like i listen to like ario speedwagon or something so it's like who am i to say yeah that's Uh, gay yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but like when first on first lesson i was like what did carl make me do and in full disclosure, we did this before this was a podcast. And I made you listen to Lady Gaga. So, but I also felt like I had from the get go, I had more fun with Lady Gaga than this. Do you think it's because you're comparing yourself to Incubus since they are a rock band making rock music? And I think Gaga I definitely is... have a lot more loaded up about things like Incubus than I do Lady Gaga, so it's easier for me. To, to engage of, with her. Yeah, to engage or, I guess... Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, okay. so, like, I don't know, Lady Gaga. I mean, we can just start naming pop groups, like, I don't know, Charlie XCX, whatever. Like, it's... I don't have any stake in it, so okay. it's fun. Okay. You know, but I'm also... I don't, like, live there on a daily basis, so it's like a vacation. Okay, okay, you know, that's... I, I, I like get to go imagery. with people that I... You know, it's like, these people are fun, and I am nothing like them. Okay, with Incubus, yeah. you're, like, putting yourself in their shoes and just being like, why couldn't I have signed to Epic Records? And... Well, not even. I'm thinking of everyone that I grew up named Brandon that might have been a piece of shit. <laughs> Brandon is a curse name. It is. Really, really cursed name. So what I feel like I'm... I think the point I'm making is... Uh, I feel like on second listen... Okay. I started to separate the fact that there is Incubus... And then there are people I grew up with that liked Incubus. Mm-hmm. And they are two separate things. And then there's me. Yes. I'm the third thing. Yeah, you're the third thing. Yeah. Uh, you might just be more like you're in line with Incubus. Like you're... Oh my God, you're calling them my peers. Either your you're, peers. You're calling me... They're calling Incubus either my peers or you're saying I'm in the band. And either way, I'm fine with that. Yeah, you're in the band. Oh my God, I love being um, in Incubus. But <clears throat> I'm thinking of like a type of beach jock. Oh yes, yes, yes. That just feels like they were sometimes they were like sometimes my friend, and it's just it's loaded up with so much. I can't even. I mean, you're from like, a beach town, so you are subscribing. You have like experiences with like the cerebral like bro that surfs, but also it's like there are no fucking waves here. So what the fuck are you doing? Vibes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like. If you if you go to a party with them and they're drunk, they'll bear their soul. But the next day at school, they're gonna call me a slur. Yeah, they're gonna pretend like you don't exist. Yeah, too. yeah, and, so and then they'll call you fag. <laughs> yeah, um, the, exactly. Yeah, in their Billabong shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this record like 
It was like it came on, and it was like, why do you wear Quicksilver if you don't surf? Yeah, yeah. And that was yeah. my first time through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it also, there's so many tones on this record that made me feel like I was running sound at Milestone again. Okay, see, that's crazy to me because tonally, this album is iconic in my opinion. I think if you're doing any sort of distorted guitar, maybe in <clears throat> drop D, you know, if you're going to play a PRS guitar, I feel like this is like how it needs to sound. Yes, no. Uh, I have issues with the mix and I, I felt like I didn't want to start there. Oh, start there. Okay. I'm running this podcast now. That's the fine. notes are off the table. No. It, um I think the one note I wrote was when we let Jock start having emotions, it was truly over for us nerds. Well, I will say Brandon Boyd, you if you dig at all into the Incubus back catalog, I don't think he I think he kind of like assimilated into like cerebral jock surfer culture in a really weird way because in the early incubus stuff when they were like essentially like a rap rock mm-hmm. band he like had dreads okay. he was like yeah which is not great obviously it was of the time it was of the time yeah um and he's like playing hand drum it was just like he wasn't like embodying like jock culture in any way he was like very much embodying embodying like my name is um like you know dirt or something <laughs> like that i smell like patchouli you know making like horrible like that vibe which is like horrible stereotypes, making horrible stereotypes like about like that. Like there's a, a girl on Survivor on one of the seasons I just watched who has like dreads and she's like talking about she like loves her dreads. He was like that energy, which is not jock energy to me. It, it's not. I the I will say, and this is this kind of seems counterintuitive to me saying I can't. Okay. So when I was a kid, when I, when I thought about myself growing up, mm-hmm. all I could imagine is that I would, one, have dreads, <laughs> and two, have really long sideburns. And that's all I wanted to do when I turned, like, 18. <laughs> Neither of them happened. Neither. Thank well, God. <laughs> there were points with sideburns, and I still can't completely... They look normal right they're, now. They're kind of... I guess I have, like, a beard-ish thing. Um... But, uh, but like, uh, yeah, I didn't do that. So, it, but it, it's hard for me. To, it's an, it's a time and a place. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like, yes, so yes, it's yes, like, yes, I know yes. it's easy for us to, it's almost like looking back at yourself wearing cargo shorts. Mm-hmm. You know, you did it. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you just kind of got to leave it. You're there. kind of viewing it through the like perspective of the other. You're yeah. like, you're, a, you're kind of, yeah, you're, it's, it's retrospective. You're viewing yourself from the outside, out of body experience of um, observing your 15 year old self wishing like hell yeah. you had dreads or sideburns. Yeah. But in that regard, I don't begrudge Brandon Boyd for having dreads at that time. Well, I will say Mike Einzinger, the guitarist also had dreads for a while. His were much shorter. So it was like, it was like. I literally almost used the adjective cute to describe this, which is not good. Nothing about this is good. These white people having dreads is not cute. But his were much cuter. They were, like, very short. They were, like, they barely touched the tops of his ears. Mm. Um, <laughs> like it did, so I've never he looked seen like, you give me that look before. So he looked like when you were playing with Play-Doh and it's, like, coming out of Betty Spaghetti thing. vibes. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But short Betty. Like, you, like, squeeze a little bit and you're just like, ooh, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I see, I'm, all I can think too is like, you're, I guess you just can't wear hats. Mm. You can wear hats, but you have to wear like 
more cultural appropriative hat wear, headwear like you know something like bigger on the back to like hold the dreads uh, or you know something with like a very short brim i don't speak like about the headwear. cat in the hat hat that people used to wear Ex- yes the tall one that has like the lsd smiley face on it <laughs> and like some peace frogs and stuff yeah you have to wear that hat well i guess what happened to those I don't. We got to break. Okay. Wind. I know we're jumping. Whatever. This is a podcast where we jump around a lot. Now it is. Um, okay. With things being in cycles, and mm-hmm. if if the 90s thing is now in the early 2000s, which I think it clearly is, mm-hmm. um, when are turntables coming back? Well, I would argue that they never really went away. Why would you say they haven't gone away? <laughs> and you can't use... Incubus still existing as an example. Well, I mean, not... that is example one. That's a huge example. I would say that a lot of kind of studio trickery mimics the um, the sonic qualities that having a turntable in your band would provide, uh, specifically in an Incubus setting, where it's like not always like record scratching. It's not like fucking run DMC. It's like a lot of it's like sonic qualities. Also, 311 exists, so... Please, you have but to they're that. a product of their time, but so you can't say that it's still in. Well, still okay. So just... the inclusion of like of uh, like electronic drums in studio recordings of like actual bands, I feel like that has like a turntable-y element to it. You know, a guitarist who's like essentially making just noise over the top of your song that has more of like a turntable quality to it than like an actual lead guitar player mm-hmm. you know you got fucking like the existence of the rainbow machine the pedal i'm pointing it to pointing to it on the ground like that's like a turntable thing that or like you know that's kind of taking the place of like what a turntable could do in your band yeah so so i think weird noises have always existed in rock music and especially in like the last few years it's like those those things are replacing the sonic quality of having so then like shoegaze bands should introduce turntables i why have they not they're literally stupid when people talk about uh like some musician in like a shoegaze band being like so smart i'm like no if he was really smart he'd have a turntable in his band (laughs) like he's not a genius but how do i know that if someone has like a laptop on stage i don't really know if they don't just have a turntable app I mean, they might. You got to go since you run sound. You got to go up in a house. Yeah. yeah, is that a turntable app? I mean, there they exist. Um, but I guess what we were talking <laughs> about was we were kind of talking about tone. I guess yes. that's how we got on. Uh-huh. So, also, I will say as specific to this record, obviously there was like a lot of actual turntableness. But even spoiler alert, and kind of to pull back the curtain, we just watched one performance from the morning view sessions and you hear that chris kilborn dj kilborn is doing like a lot of actual background vocals like he's not singing but it's like recorded background vocals and he's like queuing up and like playing in the background of the songs and then as time went on he started to play like keyboard and do like a bunch of percussion stuff in the band too mm. so so you're saying like he is owed respect absolutely he's vital and he's actually the second dj in the incubus lineage they had a dj before him whose name escapes me i want to say it's like dj like ninja or something but that sounds but if you're saying they came stupid. they went from radio rock to more where they land here um he provided more textures than just yes. like the idea of like when you think of like limp biscuit yeah. or something i don't think he was like bringing like a hip-hop influence or anything to it i feel like limp biscuit leans more towards that yeah um you know it's the gastonia of it all it's yeah. the jacksonville of it all with that but i feel like he was always like it was like the like the cherry on top it was like that spice like the je ne sais quoi quality he was bringing well even just the thought that 
I think everyone in Incubus would say je ne sais quoi. <laughs> and I don't think anyone in Lent Biscuit could say it. I could barely say it. <laughs> I was going to say, I, it felt pains coming out it of was, your mouth yeah. just now. But like, I think they can. They do seem like thoughtful people. Yes. Uh, I guess before we... I do want to talk more about that. But just that when you were kind of... We were talking about the tone of it mm-hmm. is... When I first started listening, it's just like, oh, that's what we're going to do with drums on this recording? The drums are very dry. They just sound like drums. There are so much stuff on this record that's very... It's really weird that for an album that has so much like atmosphere, almost mm-hmm. in a way that feels like you're getting a massage, um, mm-hmm. there's so much dry stuff imagery, on the, the record. Yes. I think that especially, specifically this time, I feel like the culture was not loving the idea of an instrument sounding like something that was not that instrument. I wish that... It's almost like when I listen to it now, I'm like, you're so close can I remix this? I, well, I mean, I would not remix this. I don't think either of us could do a better job. No, I mean, but... I can't actually. But... <laughs> um, I will say listening to this record today, I had never really noticed how much the drums literally just sound like someone like sitting behind a drum set, like hitting stuff so specifically, almost to the point where it sounds like um, the sketch from I Think You Should Leave where the guy's playing the piano. Didn't that guy just die? He's yeah. like playing the piano and like throwing the plate on the ground and stuff. Like that's what the drums sound like on this album to me. Yeah. They're just like so dry, but. I that's mean, it really, that's the main thing that bothered me because when guy. I was listening to it on AirPods, it was just like. <laughs> and Jose, Jose Pacias is so good at drums that it's like, I, I get it. Like having being a drummer and having like recorded drummers in the past, it's like the drummers want to hear what they're doing because they're good at their instrument. But like it is just something where it's like it is it could be more cool. I'm almost assuming that Scott Litt, who helped produce it, it was probably more of a team. He must have been a drummer. You think so? If you I, had to guess, I, I don't have any way to prove that, and yeah. I'm not going to look it up. His wiki's pretty barren. I was uh, working he, on it today. Well, he did. He did. But it's like he almost seems like he worked with a lot of things, and I don't know if there are a lot of parts that he was like in complete control, control over. Uh, which I mean, sounds nice. I mean, I don't mm. know if you want to be the person out in front all the time. But he's mm. worked with like Liz Fair, Hole, oh, and I mean, those are, Oh, I mean, you um, can't. And so I think he had a pretty big role in like rem during that or i guess probably the later 90s time frame yeah. and then that he's done a few things with incubus i believe uh, okay i mean i feel like with a band like them uh, you kind of touched on this earlier where it's like they're obviously smart people mm-hmm. they're all incredibly good at their instruments yeah, they're definitely. all incredibly good at what they do so i think the idea of them kind of like wanting to be involved with the production of it all like you know their ideas are good they don't really need yeah. someone like steering them to make their ideas better. So I feel like working with someone who's like going to just help you take your idea and deliver a finished product is perfect. Yeah. So. Like I think sometimes the idea of like a producer probably, I think Scott Litt sounds like he's more like an engineer, you would say. Yes, that does. Yeah. I think that. Like the idea the of producer shoe. sometimes I think of like the engineer is actually there and then the producer is in the other room eating cereal yeah and barking and, uh, orders yeah i don't i don't think scott Litt did that yeah i think he was almost like fly on the wall like let me see where i can help yeah, yeah. and i think that 
for this record, I think they did some kind of pre-production where they had like written some songs, but I think the whole idea was like, we'll rent this house to like actually like write and be creative in. So like to have like a quote unquote like producer there, like while you're actually just like writing the material, I feel like that lends itself more to be like a fly on the wall. Yeah. Cause you're just kind of capturing when they get to that point. Yeah, totally. Which yeah. is great. But like, yeah, the drums and then sort of like, because of the drums are so dry, I feel like sometimes when, and this is where I just don't talk about music theory ever, but it's like when I'm listening to something, I want it to feel like it's like the bass and drum is almost like a sandwich or, or let's say, the, let's say the drums are like the bottom piece of bread yeah, and then the bass and you know the guitar kind of creates that peanut butter jelly <laughs> and then kind of vocals on the top piece of the sandwich, yeah, you know? yeah. but it's like, there, it's just three pieces of bread yeah i will say the drums set like the actual like atmosphere like the tonal quality for the record up really high so there's like not really like anywhere to go above that the guitar and the bass and everything are kind of like frequencies lower than the drums which is always a little strange to me i feel like but also i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about yeah that's why i have to use a bread analogy so three pieces of bread is a delicious sandwich yeah um or it's, it's like sometimes with like vocals it's like you want to think of like i don't know like an i let's say like the band is the ice cream and then the vocals are like the cherry on top but you got to push it in a little bit because <laughs> yeah. there's already so much up there yeah, yeah. Um, now, i like view music as kind of like a sphere like a round like physical thing and i feel like if the drums are up near the top of the sphere it's like okay then you have to put everything below that but that doesn't really work because drums are like the bottom of the food pyramid in my opinion yeah. It's just like, I want the drums like lower down. It's like sand art. You know, yeah, I think like a lot of times like people think they hear things more in a mix than they really do. But I also think that everything is really kind of crystal clear on this record where it's like if someone's like, okay, we're going to listen to this song now and you're only paying attention to the bass, you could do that. You easily. really can. And yeah. that it's, there are tons of records that, I know I'm completely on board with that existing, but it's it almost confuses me because I feel like I can just zone out and listen to one thing, um, like early Blink-182. Like, if you kind of start paying attention to the drummer before Travis Barker... Scott Rainer. Um, yeah. <laughs> that you can kind of get in a trance listening to... Because it's beat. not on time. <laughs> no. I know you have an issue with that. Um, I guess because you're a drummer... I don't. It's just we've all. So, we've talked about this. It's also D beat that it's like literally like what even that, is that it is time true. That's where. Well, it's just so like it's just like. And then it'll be like okay, oh. cut that and loop that for the next sixteen <laughs> minutes of the album. That's that's Cheshire Cat. Yeah, I don't. That shit is. But okay, so. I hate that shit. I hate that shit. I'm going on record on this podcast to say that I literally hate that shit. So this record is like obviously the complete opposite oh, of that. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. But you can, in the way that you can listen to just kind of one thing, uh, you could sit there and just, he's a really good drummer. Like there's... Jose. Because he has a dry kit, that's like a personal preference. And it's thing. also a mixed like, thing. Yeah. I think and, in the future, they kind of... I feel like maybe one person made that comment and then in the future that quality kind of goes away. Yeah, I think it kind of fell out of fashion a yeah. little bit after that. So it really is it's a it's a complaint about the time. It'd be like I want to listen to Bare Naked Ladies, but the uptick guitar bothers me too much. Like 
to everyone did that at that time. Yeah, that kind of upstrokey, kind of annoying kind of thing. I truly was mortified at the idea of you wanting to listen no, to Bare Naked I, Ladies. No, I, I don't, but... It's sort of like there are certain things that are a product of the time. Yes. And yes, it's yes, sort of like yes. you have to kind of forgive it some. Mm-hmm. But then it also makes me feel like, can we get like an updated like now mix, which isn't how you fall in love with specific records. Like, yeah, there's no point really to what I'm saying. It's just sort of like a, a, <laughs> sometimes records feel timeless. Yeah. And you don't this think this one does? feels like 2001. Interesting. Yeah. I would argue this seems and sounds timeless, but I think. I just um, have probably more nostalgia attached to it than you do. Yeah, I have no nostalgia to this. And I, and I, I have a lot. And uh, a lot of times when doing the pod, I really try and listen to a record almost like 10 times. Mm. Like, but I, we, so when and, we did Chromatica, you listened to Chromatica 10 times. I, I definitely listen to Chromatica You're a, a little lot monster. of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then even still, like I think it was sort of like, do you remember the song? Then I don't. That's why I do it. I had to like, drive that not, episode. I hosted that episode, it's, actually. It's <laughs> not going to sink in with certain things. Um but I try because I want I want something to be able to sink in there. Um, so, in I listen to this three times. <laughs> so that's not normally what I do. But I so you couldn't first time, bear before. It, I just didn't have the time. I mean, basically, <laughs> I was finishing and you were coming to town. Yes. Okay. That's so we, okay. Yes. We, yes. Yes. Is a scheduling thing. Yes. <laughs> and so and that was fine. But on the third time, this last time listening to it. Mm-hmm. I basically find myself vibing. Okay, she she arrived. Uh, yes. Yes, mission accomplished. So it's, so I guess a sidebar of what I'm saying, if you don't think you like a record, give it a couple more times. Absolutely. Totally, 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 totally. So I don't, I don't know if that means I'll be like, listening to a bunch of newer incubus if the next late bloomer or all right record sounds like incubus <laughs> you owe me money um what i okay actually i want to get to this point that i was going to make if you were to being that this is a record that is 58 minutes and 29 seconds too long too long but of once again a product of its time mm-hmm. and that has been discussed so many times on this podcast mm-hmm. like records being too long mm-hmm. um what song would you cut? I cut 11 a.m. I like that song. I think it's really cool and good, but it's more of a down-tempo jam that ultimately doesn't really help the record in my opinion. If you would have asked me before today, I would have said I'd cut Echo, but listening to that song today, I was like, holy fuck, this song is so incredibly good. Those are my two pegs. I thought that I would have cut Mexico, but then... But it's a um, piano ballad. Yeah, but that and so that's like totally counter. But well, it feels it's not like really. Is it piano? It's guitar. It's like a ballad. It's a ballad. Yeah. All ballads are piano ballads. Yeah, and I, I will. Most people, or I don't know, a lot of people would say cut out the ballad, but I say always keep keep the ballad. The ballad. Keep, um, keep, but keep it does the ballad for the drama. To what you're saying, like the middle of this record to me is a lot of down tempo. Yeah. 11 a.m. is whack because it's like literally it opens with him like reciting his morning. He literally sings about a garbage truck and no album needs you singing about fucking garbage truck. Like literally, if you find yourself writing that imagery, you need to reconsider. It's also a little too much after Just a Phase, which does a lot of that. Just a Phase is so good. Just a Phase to me is like the crux of the record. It like leads up to that moment and then it goes down from there. And it's not like down in quality. It's just down in like the vibe. Yeah, but then I would I would almost I guess agree with you with cutting eleven AM because the picture that just a phase paints, paints yes. 
you don't need 11 a.m. No. Because you it's are, the okay, same, like, but for worse. Instance, <laughs> the lyrics, he says fizzy water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, like, judging the fact that he used weird words in a song because I've, I've done it and my bands have done it. Um, but then soapy he also water. says, yeah, <laughs> I've done soapy water. I Neil has done like chicken Mc, McDonald's or something in a song. So I can't. <laughs> I'm like mortified right now. Or he but... said Jimi Hendrix in a song. Oh, okay. We like, love that. Um, actually we cut out McDonald's because we were like, you cannot say the word McDonald's in a song. I mean, or, if they're not going to pay you to say it, yeah, then don't say it. It was like McFish filet. Like don't have that in a song. Um, so I think that's kind of camp actually. <laughs> I think that's why people do that because it's like a thing that draws your attention. So yeah. I get it from the point of like a writer thing. So I implore people to kind of do that. But I think like, well, specifically when Mr. Boyd says, uh, <laughs> call it women's intuition. Call it women's. Yeah, that shit is not iconic. But, no, that um, I was just like, oh, you took me out of it. Yeah, but also that, I feel like that's also like a sign of attention. I feel like we've come so far in discussing um, how gender is whack and not real. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. He's like, to me, he, especially like that, I'm, I'm such an apologist. I'm going to say like for that era <laughs> of him, I'm going to say that it's like, uh, like a motherly love sort of thing. Like so you it's don't think it's like a condescending thing. Thing. No, I don't thing. think it's condescending. Okay. I don't think he's ever like, he's never really given me um like misogynistic vibes like late 90s internet prankster vibes nothing I mean, like I, that i wouldn't know enough to say you know like uh rivers has that yeah know, and... the incel of it all yeah brandon boyd's having sex and he's respecting women okay okay that's my read that is good to know yeah so I think that makes me a little bit more of a fan. Like, oh my... I think we're going to come out of this me being an incubus I think fan. you already are, and I'm just re- pulling back the curtain to the fact that you are. Um, I think if somehow I could sit in with them, uh, <laughs> so if anyone has Mr. Boyd's contact, <laughs> if we can sit down and remix this record, or maybe it all, maybe there's a remix, remastered version, and I just need to listen to it, um, I could be a fan. There's just so much 2001. That if just, you like, sit down with Brandon Boyd and do anything before I sit down with Brandon Boyd and do anything, so help me God, I will kill you. This It's over for you, ho. I felt like it was like when I was listening to this record for the first time, I had uh, the ball necklace just arrived on my body <laughs> and I had corduroy pants. But if you had your shirt off, that's an iconic look. When and that's I, honestly a horny look. When I saw them, like, the way they look in that live video, the Morning View Sessions video, mm-hmm. um, it just makes me, it, it, it makes me embarrassed. Because I felt I dressed the same way at the time. You did. We all did. And like a, a, a hat, backwards hat that was a little too small. Awkwardly sized for the the actual silhouette of the look, yes. Well, the obey shirt of it all. I feel like everyone looked like triangles. The jeans were so big. And I, but I've I've heard the kids say, "Big pants are back." Is that what we're going back to? To looking like that? To like looking like Incubus in the morning view sessions? Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm the right person to ask. I think we're both too old. Well, I, on top of that, I also just like really don't like subscribe to fashion trends. I just kind of always look like shit. <laughs> and then like my manic energy sells it. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. I feel like it's like, I won't even meet people halfway with fashion, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit. Like I'll, I'll, 
It's like I'm not going to reject it completely. <laughs> now I sound like Brandon Boyd. Um, and, you know, I'll meet you a little bit. But it's like if society goes back to DVSs. And uh, Etnies. Uh, I can't. I can't do it. I can. Do you think Etnies has been making those shoes with the sideways E the whole time? I think they're, yeah. I think, Where do they sell them? Like, I think they probably sell them to, like, in Brazil. I feel like they were said. oh, that's actually, I never really thought about, like, the international implications of yeah. the Etnies shoe. The classic quintessential Etnies shoe. Because I like, think about that all the time. It's like, you know that, they probably sold, how many, do you think they sold a billion pairs of Etnies? Probably. You think it's two billion? Are there, well, I'm like, are there two billion people in <laughs> I actually don't know how many people are in the world, and I don't care. Um, but I just think, anytime you're selling a billion of something, it's like, for the next x amount of years you're gonna at least sell one pair of them you know minimum yeah. so like why would you ever stop making them yeah i mean i think when like i don't know facebook now i can't say oh. facebook, um, so if you do if they they would just have to change the marketing to like another country or something or like you yeah. know change the trends to sort of like like i don't i don't know we, we're talking about etnies way too long um I don't think people talk about Etnies enough in 2021. Okay, so you said that you would cut 11 a.m. Yeah. So that would make it like a 55-minute record. Probably, yes, which is still long, yeah. but it's not... The longer songs are quintessential, in my opinion. I it's I would want to cut that because I would not want to... You can't fuck with Aqueous Transmission. Aqueous Transmission is it. amazing. It's so good. The cultural appropriation of it all is probably questionable, Oh, yeah, yeah, um, but like it's still a gorgeous song and the idea of a fucking like rock band performing that song is like writing that song mike einzinger being good enough at a stringed instrument to pull that off it's like bitch go off oh, yeah it's so good it also makes me think of some of the levels on uh the mario game on game boy has a lot of the same vibes as that Okay. Just know, I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure nerds know. Yeah. I'm unfortunately cool, so I yeah, don't know. It might be a cultural thing, too. I'm kidding. I think Mario there's... games were just boring to me because it's, like, mostly normal human people doing, like, dumb shit. And I feel like I need a game to be, like, way more weird little monsters for me to care. Do you think, not that they are a video game, does Incubus have enough weird little monsters in it? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you've been referring to people as their names and you were not looking at my notes. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, you just knew. You, I'm not a fake fan. I'm true truly a diehard so it was to reference another pod um so the weezer episode i did could you do you know the other guitar player in weezer's name or could you ever point them out is his name brian chase See, no brian chase went. is the drummer in the yeah yes his name is brian it's like brian bell maybe brian bell uh, yes but yes do you think you could point everyone in incubus out in a lineup i if they walk past me on the street i would know like easily do you follow? I could all point of out. I could social media. I know I don't follow. I don't try to follow. I don't like when bands have, and this is so ironic for me. Um, <laughs> but I don't like when bands like have like their own like members profiles that are like big spotlighted things. Mm. I'm like I don't give a fuck. I'm not. I followed Nick Hexum for a long time on Instagram because I he's my gay robot husband, dad, you know, godfather. But I just don't like. It gets old after a while. 
especially as these people get so much older and they like have kids, which no offense to kids, kids fucking rock. I literally love love. And I love the idea of having kids and carrying on your lineage, but it's just like at this juncture in my life, it's like, I know your daughter's cute. I, I, it's not for me though. Does it also take away from the kind of fantasy? Yeah. Of, and the yeah. horrible things I project on these people and their music. And then they're there with their child and you're yeah, like, like, it's, it's like, remember when i was like message boards i wish it was still like that. well do you think did you have a point um it was like when you heard someone singing you had no idea of knowing what that person sounded like like sounded like or sorry looked like looked like well i was raised on music videos okay um like i remember an era where i would almost I had no clue what the guy from Coheed and Cambria looked like. See, I think I, I knew what he looked like the the first time I heard him because I saw the video for Favorite House Atlantic. Hmm. So he's saying more about me, not watching I think this I Yeah, now. I think this has more to do with you. I'm like still, I mean, you know this about me. Mm-hmm. I'm addicted to music videos. This is true. It's the one of the only things I care about is a good music video. Well, do you... Do you feel like you follow Incubus's career now? I have tried. It's just kind of one of those things. I think my taste changed. Like with Incubus being the blueprint, I kind of found myself like tunneling in a different direction away from them. And that I think is normal, especially, you know, for your teenage your teen years like favorite band it's like you know they get you started on a path and if you continue to follow them that's great i'm sure that's what they want but like even me now thinking it's like when i'm like when my band's releasing music it's like i'm expecting to gain new fans but also like lose fans you know it's just like a thing it's like a natural thing to expect um so i haven't really i know they put out eight a couple years ago which obviously is their eighth full length and i loved that record um but they put out an ep like right before that that had some goofy titles like something volume one um and i remember watching the music video for absolution calling like the kind of like the lead single on that and just being like you know what i think this specific era of this band is not for me Mm. uh do you do you feel like looking at pictures of them now or the last time you looked at them do you feel like they've updated their looks i mean in ways i like mike mike's hair has changed you know brandon cut his hair for a while and now it's long again he essentially looks the same i don't think they're like pandering to that i mean they're not dressing like billy eilish none of them have green and black hair well i guess like what i think about is like when you look at any like hair metal people they still are frozen in the time that they came from i don't think i think incubus probably just look like normal dudes now like Nick Hexum, you know, like he, I feel like I said that so weird. Like, he's pretty, he looks slur. pretty up to date. Like, he, yeah, he's a handsome man, part of culture. Yeah, but he doesn't, like, there's his no red not, backwards hat or anything. Yeah, or, his hair's not bleached anymore. He's just, I feel like they're just aging gracefully into, like, you know, older men, hot older men. Is, God, I'm going to feel so embarrassed not knowing his name. Is Maroon 5 guy, uh, is he aging uh, gracefully? Is Adam Levine aging gracefully? I would say yes. Adam Levine is someone who, unfortunately, I've always found sexually attractive. He's a really really attractive guy. Like, anyone would be. (laughs) It's just like looking. Sure, whatever. Yes, no, but, I'm, I'm kidding. But yes, he's very just conventionally attractive. He's yeah. kind of like what you Google, you literally Google beautiful man and he's on page like one or two at the latest. I feel like when I look at him, it's like, it's got to be a struggle being you because it feels like he's 
it's a lot of work to stay him. Yes, yes, yes. There was like a whole thing probably in like 2013, 2014, where he like buzzed his head completely and everyone's like, oh, okay, he's doing that like obviously as like a dramatic look because he's like on the voice, but it's also like you probably got hair transplant. Like mm. it's work, it's maintenance. But I don't get a sense that I guess incubus has to run in that kind of circle where they have to keep up with them i don't think so i think brendan boyd is definitely like if you're looking at it as like a lineup he's definitely standing in front of everyone but it's not as far in front of everyone as like an adam levine figure mm. it's like he is like the face of it but it's like you know he i think he sells the capital b band of it all more than an adam levine who's like it's me plus the maroon for other people yeah like I guess if Brandon Boyd goes to get coffee, you probably think like if you're if you're the barista or if you're just there in the coffee place, you're like I think that guy is might be famous, but yes. it could just be lighting. <laughs> it, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, a great way to look at it. No yeah. bodyguard. Yeah. Adam Levine got probably three three bodyguards yeah. at Starbucks, and if he's going in at all. And I wonder if Adam Levine too, like probably like you know pulls his hat down and has like it's like you know kind of there's like an energy that comes yes up. there's a vibe there's uh um there's behaviors where are they in terms of like what they pull now like are they still a stadium band or i have truly I no have idea no i know for like make yourself reunion toward those venues were all really big um but that makes sense because it's their biggest album you know again drive you could turn on any alternative rock radio station now and you would hear drive within the next hour probably Hmm. or two hours are are they of the level of third eye blind in terms of i mean i bet the numbers are i think the numbers are probably similar but i think that it's such a different crowd that i like i personally have never even thought about the numbers of it all i feel like i'm zooming in and zooming out a lot and then so if i zoom in more then it's like I feel like I hear people will say in our sphere, like whatever the general fucking the DIY sphere. scene loves to say in our sphere, <sighs> and, and I it, love spheres, and it feels sad. Like it's like I don't know the stuff I see. I don't want to be a part of. Like I want to just oh, when someone's talking about their sphere, it's like exclude me from that now. Yes, yes, but I I hear more people talk about third eye blind than i do incubus but i don't know if i have an overall point but i also think that there's like a weird (laughs) i don't know if i have an overall point i think there's like a weird thing in music writing culture specifically as it relates to diy and as like you know emo music has Mm -hmm. kind of entered like critical praise i think a lot of people reference third eye blind as like a huge touchstone of like good songwriting um and sort of like like the hotel you're right now is getting a ton of comparisons to third eye blind for home like no places there which to me those albums are sonically like the hotel you're in third eye blind are so different but like i just think there's like a, a cultural critical renaissance for third eye blind more than there is for incubus and i think that some bands like turnstile i would say um they kind of have touched more on like making incubus more of a critical thing and like uh, an influence of you know credit but i don't think it's the same number of people as like are making third eye blind culture Mm. you know a pillar of culture i obviously would reference incubus over third eye blind and i love both those bands Mm. but like incubus is more of the pillar that my band sits underneath if 
if you um, had to pick one record um, in terms of just the production of it, mm-hmm. uh, Third Eye Blind, the the one record you, we both know we're talking about. Self-titled. Yes, yeah. self-titled. Versus this, where would you want to, or I guess one question, Where? Do, which one do you think is better oh. production-wise? I think the Third Eye Blind record, I think sonically that record sounds better but I think the songs, I think every other aspect of the capital M music is better in Morning View by Incubus. I think that the mix on the Third Eye Blind record is so good. And they do so many cool, we we're talking about atmosphere earlier. Mm-hmm. They do atmosphere in a way that is more interesting to me, where it's like, you still have like a three and a half minute long song, but like, um, what, like Burning Man, there's another song on that record specifically that has like a bunch of like weird organy sounds and it's like rooted in like kind of like a keyboardy melody that to me is like that's a perfect song sonically. I, I feel like though, with comparing the two, um, I Want You is the name of the song. Um, what I feel like Incubus has more of like we're gonna push this atmosphere more on you yeah it's more of like a selling point for them yeah Yeah. it's more intentional with them i think third eye blind talking earlier about like the um you know the gravitas of a producer of like a capital p producer i think third eye blind definitely worked with more capital p producery vibes than incubus i think incubus is more like intentionally like five people being like this these are the vibes and we're selling them to you there's no one behind the boards like making it vibey. They just bring their own vibe. Well, do you feel like then you identify on in the incubus side more because you feel like there's more of a human aspect? Probably, there? maybe. I also think that um, they're better people. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so maybe we'll put a lot. And on I also that think camp. I just spent more time with incubus than Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind is kind of like a thing that I got into in the last like seven to eight years. Like, obviously, knew the hits growing up because they were the radio. But I don't think I gave it as much time of day until I started like actively thinking about songwriting as a craft. And I think that Stephen Jenkins is a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Incubus is more ingrained in me in terms of songwriting. I think I was reaching out to Stephen Jenkins as someone like new that I could pull from. Well, uh, do you feel like, do you ever do a thing where, <laughs> I don't know, this is going to probably say so much about me. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like there's like let's say whatever's like the top shelf band. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like not the not the record label, but just the band yeah, just, on the top shelf. Just whatever we want to put in it, because you could kind of like make these tiers and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it is a competition, and some people are winning. <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay, so if there's a whatever thing that people are grabbing for, mm-hmm. as I guess I'll call myself a musician, whatever. Like, I feel like I'm not going to grab for that because I don't think I'll ever be able to, to obtain it. So I'm going to grab for the next thing down or the, even the thing below that. Well, see, I do think that does say something about you, but I also don't think you're alone. I think a lot of musicians are probably operating that way where there's like more of a solidarity, more of a camaraderie if you're grabbing lower. I feel like I'm always grabbing from the top. I'm grabbing Lady Gaga. I'm grabbing Cat. I'm literally I'm grabbing them. This sounds literally grab horrible. Donald Trump vibes. Um, no. Well, I mean, I obviously do, but I just view them more as my peers. Okay. It's like I'm like okay. reaching out to them and like connecting with them in a way that's like not there's. It's not like it's not like fan artist relation. It's uh-huh. like peer to peer. 
you know, okay. I feel like I, I think I, that's something I kind of pride myself on is that like, I think I've always had a really good perspective for like when it is fan artist relationship and when it's not peer and when it is peer to peer and how that's so different. And I feel like as a music fan, I'm like always reaching higher than myself. Whereas like when I'm into a record that feels like more my level, I like want to meet those people as people and kind of like pick their brain and figure out like where they're coming from. And I'm not like, standing them the house down i'm just like these are my peers they have a good song i'll put on my playlist i'll buy the record you know it's not like a worship thing so if you were in i don't know where they live i'm gonna assume they live in la uh just based on the cover of this record they're definitely california vibes (laughs) Uh, so you're at a party and you're more prone to go uh to someone else this is my friend brandon uh have you do you know brandon well incubus is above me so like I, I can't imagine, I think I would be getting introduced to him by someone who views him as like a musical peer. So like, say we're at a party and Nick Hexum's there and he's like, this is my friend Brandon. Like that to me makes more sense than me ever being like, this is my friend Brandon. So in this ranking, if we say Third Eye Blind is at the top, mm-hmm. then Incubus is second. I hate that they're second, at the top. But... And then third, 311 is under Incubus? No, Incubus and 311 are definitely tied they're they're okay. two they're I can see that. yeah they're they're like the same they toured together and then they were like going to be touring together too again but i think that got canceled because of covid when maybe that's back on do you feel like it's something inherently the kind of beachness of it mm-hmm. is there something about that you coming also from a beach town i think that i was subjected to it more because of my location because of the geography and i therefore like it was ingrained in me at a time before i was seeking out music solely as an autonomous like adult with taste you know like nine well, i guess it was surf 107 then yeah. like surf 175 was like obsessed with incubus we just got so local we yeah and I'm, i knew what you meant <laughs> yeah i mean of course you're from wilmington you you know <laughs> um but like you know like our modern rock radio station was playing music that would appeal to like people in fucking quicksilver billabong or like hic clothing like you know it was like the the hot wax surf shop of it all like incubus was tailor-made for that so i do think the geography does play into it do you feel like hot wax kids that went to hot wax surf shop were they listening to incubus oh most or was it like something cky yeah cky (laughs) i guess at the time i was gonna say pennywise i think they're probably listening to both i think i've I think I've been, I think I, as a child, was in Hot Wax Surf Shop once when Incubus was playing and then once when Pennywise was playing. So I, I guess what I'm getting at, it's like, do they kind of have a, almost a vibe that lets people that are more, that, that view themselves as being more into independent music, but they were also a mainstream band? I think that they have more of like X Games appeal. Okay. Um, I don't okay. think it has any indie anything. <laughs> I think it just has to do with like the lifestyle. I, I get it. I'm trying to just like place it somewhere yeah. since I didn't. Like, Incubus is an interesting reason. thing because I feel like over time they kind of started to sonically appeal more to indie rock. I think that they were influenced. I think they started to reveal that they were influenced by indie rock more, um, which is a strange thing to do when you reach critical success making, you know, almost metal, you know, like yeah. beach metal. Yeah. 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 So it's just, that's like always a weird thing. Like, um, I didn't know Mike Einzinger started playing a jazz master, which is famous capital I indie rock okay. guitar. Yeah. Um, and I think Curl After the Murder was like the beginning of them, like revealing their indie rockness. And then Like Grenades, there are songs on that record that feel like they're part of like the capital, the bands. Um, so I don't know. I think, 
What was the question? <laughs> I, I think when I think about bands from this time frame, I almost like feel bad for them, even though I want, I'd want the success. Like, well, so I mean, I no band will bad. ever be as successful yeah. as that time period, yeah. but like no million dollar record deals are getting signed by a five piece guitar rock band. Now. Yeah. Um, but it's like, they almost felt like trapped. Like if you did one, not the band trapped, but if you did one <laughs> thing wrong, you would be excommunicated from the radio forever. So it's like the stakes were higher. Like they had to play a game. So kind of going back to what you were saying about indie rock, it's like they probably had a point in their career where like we're not gonna lose everything. Yeah, totally. And I think that they kind of took those risks. Um, the like lead single off of Acrylic to the Murderers, Megalomaniac, which at the time had a music video that was like very much shitting on George Bush. So I feel like they kind of like they took they took swings at that, knowing that they couldn't lose what they'd already gotten. You know, it's like we already cashed those checks. We already have these fans like these people are going to follow us. So like at this point, we can start injecting our opinions in and that's fine. And sonically, that record is a lot different than Morning View. And it continues to just get more different sonically. I think eight was kind of billed as like a return to like Incubus's most popular sonic palette. Um, So I don't know. I think I think we view it that way because that's how we lived it and experienced it but like if someone if a 16 year old now like literally bought the incubus discography i think that like the progression is natural and i think that there's like something to enjoy about every part of it and i don't think that they would have a they wouldn't give a single fuck about like the radio rockness of the early 2000s that 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 morning view kind of encapsulates yeah i guess like usually where i get the point I get to in the podcast is I start asking like how it influenced you as a songwriter. Oh so I my guess, God. Because when I think about it though, it's like when I, when I first started listening to this, it's like I have never played music this way and mm-hmm. I will never play music this way. And I don't say that even like to a detriment to them. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't have like any like swing to anything I do. Well, you're like four on the floor punk. Yeah. You are like a, you punk are in a... my life. Yeah. Punk. I agree with you. I think punk ruined your life. No, I'm kidding. But, um, (laughs) but I just think, I think my band is like, I think it's ingrained. It's ingrained in me so much that like the riffiness of an incubus song is the kind of riffiness I lean towards. And like the riffiness of like punk and like more hardcore shit is like the riffiness you lean towards. Yeah. And I think that, I think incubus has been uh, an obvious sonic influence in my project, but like, you might have had to know that, you know, I don't think it's always been, I don't think it's like audibly, obviously the audio quality of our recordings are bad. So you're not like, you're not hearing our songs sound like morning view, like, or make yourself. But like, I think it's always been in there because a lot of what I know about songwriting, I learned from them. So if there was a museum mouth record or a game eat record that you were able to have a million dollars to record a record, do you think it would sound it could... I think Popcorn Fish was on the way to sounding like Morning View. Okay. I think it's our Morning View... It's our it's our Morning View, period. Yeah. I think it's fucked up. And it obviously doesn't sound like that record at all. Um, but, yeah, I think that's our Morning View. I, I think that's interesting, though, to kind of, like, be a songwriter. And it's like you, you're getting hit with these things that you just can't help but turn off. I guess for you, Incubus. Uh, 
And you, you're sort of like, I love that stuff so much that I'm not going to write that way. Is that how you feel about it? Or is that just me? I think I'm always trying. I'm like a moth to the flame. I'm trying to write like that. I think in I think my talents lead me to not sounding like that. And okay. at my <laughs> best, most possible form, when I finally ascend and learn how to play guitar, I'm going to sound exactly like Incubus. And I'll be happy for the yeah, first time. Yeah, maybe I'm not life. taking in consideration my lack of talent when I'm when I'm doing. <laughs> I baby, I can play two strings at max on guitar. <laughs> I, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there with you. Um, so we didn't really talk about. I guess we did talk about. We talked about the record. Songs. Yeah, uh, we we even we kind of ended with aqueous transmission. Yeah, which sounds like so weird to say. Like I. I don't know. Is it, you don't like I saying those words? Uh, je ne sais quoi of aqueous transmission. I will say, "Are You In" is my favorite song on this record, and um, I know I probably said that about Echo earlier, but like, "Are You In" is like the pervasive. Like, I have always loved that song. I think it's so cool, and it's funny because it's literally a jam. It's like they probably jammed on it at soundcheck, and then they're like, "Oh," or like, in this house that they're recording in, it's like, "Oh, like let's record this for the." I record. think Scott lit edited it together it's eventually. cool it's just so cool the vibe is right yeah and seafoam green never goes out of fashion so i love that mm. song um so okay so this was their best-selling album uh makes double com- platinum makes sense um i i guess i always thought like science was i heard so many people oh talk about science no, no, no. Like, make, so make yourself is like i think the more beloved i think i probably said that it was their best-selling earlier i did not know that you had the receipts on that but Make Yourself had, like, the songs that introduced Incubus to the culture. It's possible Wikipedia lied to me. Wikipedia does lie. Yeah, so... There was... there was Okay. Let me see if I can figure out how to get the story. Okay, so I went to look up this director, the guy who directed uh, Independence Day. Um, I don't remember what his name is. This is it's like an Wolfgang incredibly Josh story. Yeah, um, and so, okay, so then I was like, what has he been directing since? He did like Stargate, he did Independence Day, he did the Channing Tatum movie um, about like storming the White House one. Um, it's like not White House Down, but there was another one. Oh, yeah. They came out at like yeah. the same time. yeah. Um, the one that doesn't have Gerard Butler in it. Um, so this director, I was like, he's doing a movie about Shakespeare. Like, what is that? Cause that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then I clicked on the thing and then it was just a dick on the Wikipedia <laughs> entry. <laughs> that rocks. I so love that's, that. That's That's when I think of things being wrong on Wikipedia. I just think of that. I don't often. think this is wrong. I think I think this is right. I think um I think I was as a fan. I think I was kind of I was actively avoiding how successful it was because I wanted this to be my thing. I was a okay. kid, you know. Um, I think a lot can be said about the fact that there was a music video for Wish You Were Here that involved them like jumping off of a bridge and in like a post 9-11 world that video got pulled from air and re-edited because the idea of people jumping off of anything was Mm -hmm. obviously taboo and I think that that concept alone of like you know something that's going to be seen by so many people and could be triggering says a lot about how popular this band was at that time. But from reading about that too I think like the concept of this song like became kind of a 9-11 anthem after that because um, <laughs> no song should be a 9-11 anthem well i mean like it yes. was like i think like people resonated with mm-hmm. it because like wish just yeah. a simple it's, hook of it all it's sweet it's a song about loving and um 
and how powerful that is. Yeah. I love that song. The hits on this record, it's funny because, like, obviously when I was a kid, I was avoiding them when I listened to them because, like, I hear them all the time on the radio. I'd watch the music fit a hundred times. But, like, now when I listen to the record, I get so excited when those songs come on. Mm. I'm, like, far enough removed from it now where I'm, like, fuck yes, they did this. Mm. Morning is crazy good. Well, do you think we did it? I think we did it. And I'm surprised we did it since we spent, like, the first three minutes just giggling. (laughs) I'm, like, amazed we recorded a podcast. Um... When can we, will we ever get a new Museum Mouth record or when can we get it? I know you want one so bad. <laughs> I see the posts where you tag us. I just choose not to interact with them. Um, No, I'm kidding. I think it'll definitely happen. I don't know. We have an amazing crop of songs that we had even started actually tracking for real, real. But then with COVID, it's just kind of like, you know, Morgan works nights. I was working days. It just was never going to line up like effectively but now i don't have a job so i think it's more likely than it's unlikely you'll get a new museum month record um i think that and i know i've said this on the pod before and i'm not sorry for repeating myself if any fucking journalist ask people next year whenever museum (laughs) out there whenever fucking record comes out (laughs) next year why was there such a break that you shouldn't be allowed to answer that ask that question (laughs) going forward. to us specifically Just, well or you all are almost any the band. world yeah now, because of covid yeah it's like i am alive i was like thinking about that <laughs> where it's like literally the last record we put out was five years ago i'm like that's mortifying because there was like a time in place where like you know a band releases a record three years after the last record and that's like part of like the talking point in music press being like it's our first record in get this three years and i'm like that's literally disgusting. Like life is happening to these people. Like no one signed, no rock band is signing again, a million dollar fucking record deal. So like, they're not going to be like pumping out records. They have to they have other jobs. They can't like yeah. Incubus could. Exactly. I mean, they can, but. They... I know there are lots of exceptions. It's yeah. like, and it's like, not even to, I want to think of an, I don't even want to name a band, but it's like the, whatever the higher even indie rock at this time they might be able to rent a house oh totally there's like there is a tier to indie rock where those bands could do it yeah you know um i feel like especially the bands that are like you know in this fifth wave of emo revival that are like getting good critical praise and you know moving units on like the next hot child run diy like record label like those people could rent a house but like you know people that have been playing the game for a long time you know have kind of more like fallen out of like the the hyper speed of it all like you know it's not gonna happen for us yeah i simply must live my horrible wretched 30 year old life a little bit before i can um have the time to record a song i and that's actively trying to record a song i mean i know you feel the same way so i'm i'm thinking um i've enjoyed the time yeah i enjoy the break i used to be like this is the death of me and if it is it's sort of like (laughs) If if someone stripped all of this shit that cost me money away from me, I would be free of it more than like I've sacrificed something. I used to kind of feel like I had to. And now yeah. it's like, well, I'd like to. I Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I always had an awareness of um, how good life could be not making music, but also how good it was making music. And I think I was always kind of engaging with it at my leisure. I think there was a time where it was really driving me, like, you know, the the haste of it all um, and trying to, like, be up on it and do it and make it happen. But 
I mean, at this point, there's really no need to actively be like that. Like, if the songs are good, then the songs are fucking good. And, you know, if there are people that believe in you and like what you do, then there are people that believe in you and like what you do. Like, there's really no need to rush into it and be crazy and try to capitalize on a wave. Like, good songs are timeless. I think after, like, well, we're not out of the pandemic. (laughs) Oh, it's still Uh, very much (laughs) happening. But I got to a point where I was kind of like, I don't like spending all the time booking shows i don't even know if i like band practice but i, I realized, hate playing shows uh, yeah I, I was like i hate all of these things so what do i actually like and then i realized the idea of actually like writing a song mm-hmm. and kind of crafting it into something that is a recognizable thing i like that okay so <laughs> i am the same exact way do you think i always talk about i was just talking about this on my own podcast where it's like being where we are from do you ever feel like just the fact that you wrote a song and recorded it and released it is like a beating the odds? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like it's beating the odds? I wish that it was more in my, I, I do feel that way a lot, but I wish it were in my head more because I would give myself a break more. Oh, I, all I do is give myself a break. Literally <laughs> because... if I write one good line, I'm like, okay, I'm taking an eight hour nap. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think of, and it's like, I don't begrudge I've said that so many times that I clearly begrudge children. Um, But it's sort of like, I don't know what it was about like the before times, like growing up in the nineties or something. (laughs) It's like, it's, I guess like when you can have all your questions answered on the internet, Mm -hmm. you like, I, everything was a lot more mysterious. I had to, yeah, I had to go through so many barriers and ask this person, that person was mean. They, you know, just to acquire a piece of knowledge (laughs) that is now on Google. Yeah. And then, so it's like, wow, they have, they've done all these steps that took being like basically 15 years to get to figure out, you know, I mean, I use, I I feel like you could sum it up by just saying like, you know, I used to dream of the idea of like a Jim Adkins listening to my band. And in 2021, you could tweet at Jim Adkins and be like, will you listen to this? And there's a good chance he will. Like, you know, it's just like, it's just different. Everything's different. It felt like, and um, it's like, you probably had to figure out how to get backstage at Jimmy world. And while security's running after you throw your CD, yeah. you don't have to. I mean, famously block party got signed to Domino because they, cause Kelly brought a CDR and gave it to Alex Capranos on stage of Franz Ferdinand. The 20, you know, the millennial version of that is me tweeting at Max Bemis and getting my band. You signed. know how many steps, well, yes. So you are. The, I'm part of the problem. Are, yeah, you are the. You are I think the about that all the time. Carl. I feel like I was shooting a shot that not many people were shooting that shot in 2014, um, and now it's like every day, all the Twitter timeline is is like thirsty DIY bands tweeting at like you know their emo hero, and I'm like, grow up. Well, like, but I also think time forced me to grow up. But also, so. it's like sometimes I can't. I was the blueprint. I, mean, for the I know problem. you've you've done it. There are actually so many things that I feel like people do now that I feel like I witnessed you do so long ago, and then I'm always like, "You Run all me deserve my flowers." Well, yeah, what I'm saying is Carl deserves all of the respect. I did it first. You did it first. I did and it first. You deserve so much respect. Like you are you, an amazing musician, and I think the world needs more. What whatever the fuck you want to call it, like if it's gay meat, if it's museum mouth, if it's you know, uh, dog shit mountain butt. Um, <laughs> please don't do that. Now you're going to do that. I won't do um, that. <laughs> but seriously, I, yes. I love you, Carl. Oh, 
Josh, I love you. Thank you. I love that we're doing this in person. This literally rocks. Yeah. Oh, wow, bitch. So, should we end it that way? Yeah, I think so. Um, follow me on Twitter. Where do people find you on Twitter? My personal Twitter is at GameEat3. For some reason, at GameEat is not available on any social media. I wonder why that is. Um, It's not taken. It's just not available. So at GameEat3 on Twitter. And then at on Instagram, it's at LazyBonesKeown. Obviously, if you're trying to follow Museum Mouth specifically, it's just at Museum Mouth everywhere. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Of course. I love you. Welcome back. Thanks again to Carl for coming on the pod. Actually, he's a return guest from the original Instagram series. Neat. Check out Carl's podcast, It Rocks or It Sucks. Seriously good stuff. Okay, next week on the pod, we're chatting with Skylar Sarkis of the band Taking Meds, Growing Stone, Highway Sniper, and I know I'm leaving out a band or two or three. So, we chatted about my favorite songwriter of all time, Warren Zevon. Hands down, he's the ultimate one. We chatted about his 2000 album, Life Will Kill You, and really about the man's whole trip, or really whatever we could fit in a little over an hour. So much to really say about him. It could go on forever. But more on that next week. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Check us out on Patreon and leave us a review wherever you do that. Well, anyway, see you next week.